Talk Film, episode 36. I'm Pete Ray, here with my good friend, fellow teacher, Mitchell Maine. School is out. It's summertime. Um, life is great. Life is amazing. How how are you? Are you are you in the same vein? How are you feeling? I feel great. I feel great. It hasn't hit me yet. Um, I'm sitting here drinking my dragon fruit smoothie. Sun is out, gleaming into the room that I'm in through the window. Hasn't hit me yet. Just did some yard work. Um, I'm excited though. How about you? How are we feeling? Yeah, I drove. We read a. We had a little extra day yesterday. Yesterday, you and I little mm-hmm. just an eight hour meeting um which you know we should capture like enemies of the state like enemies <laughs> of U- the united states and just say we're not going to torture you but we're going to we're going to put you in an eight hour meeting for just a week like i don't think they'd make it <laughs> um but i i got home and i just realized i was like you know, no other job really is ever gets to feel this feeling of just being completely done with something for two and a half months. Like I was, I was pretty grateful for that feeling yesterday of, yeah, I, I don't really have to. And well, I do have to think about my job for the next two and a half months. I kind of have a lot to do, but it's just nice to, you know, I, I can kind of do whatever I want for a while kind of makes up for all the the disrespect that we get as teachers or maybe the lack of respect we could say I don't I don't want to say it makes up for it though it it helps but I I I, I, I would like some respect still it for people outside of the realm of education it only further make it furthers the gap between us getting respect because they say well you have two weeks off or two months off and so they just don't know they don't know yeah they don't know but it's okay we don't expect them to um we forgive we move on i don't i'm holding a grudge against (laughs) every non-teacher in the world (laughs) okay well speak for yourself speak for yourself (laughs) No, I get it. I get it. It, it is nice. It's very nice. Um, you can you can probably hear it in our voices. We probably sound like different people compared to we usually record on Wednesday nights or afternoons, and it's like middle of the week, especially in I don't know, April and May. We're just dying. So yeah, it's great. I think we're feeling. I'm feeling the 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 lethargy from the year. I feel like my body knows when it's like close to the end and so it hangs on by a thread Mm -hmm. up until the very end and then once the end comes you're just exhausted i feel like there's got to be some psychological term for you know i think the i don't know just the way that my brain definitely works is like i i can barely make it to the end but it's only based on what i determine the end as is Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like if if school went on for another month, like I could do the another month and then I'd feel the same way I felt last week at the end of that month, if that makes any sense. I think, I don't know if it's a mindset, but more of just like the power of will. Yeah. It just slowly wanes when you know that the end is near. Yeah. If anything, that just shows people that aren't in the realm of teaching that 
teachers got that dog in them, you know, (laughs) they do what they do, whatever's asked of them. You give them a deadline. They're going to meet it. You say, Hey, you have to work until this point. They're going to do it. At least the good ones are. Um, They got that dog in them. Just like my Boston Celtics, just like my Denver Nuggets. Let's go. All right. I was wondering if we were going to talk NBA again. Um, you are on, you are on the way to having your perfect NBA finals. Knock on and, wood. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't even knock on wood anymore because what's happening is so insane. So where we're at right now, we'll just set the scene for the people. Um, Nuggets swept the Lakers, so we don't need to talk about that. Um that hasn't hit me yet either that hasn't hit me yet either and just like Nikola Jokic said um when he was interviewed what does this Western Conference Finals title mean to you nothing absolutely nothing job's not done yet you know I'm not trying to get too emotional um like my older brother he said he cried a little bit and no disrespect to my brother um he is nowhere in the same vicinity of Nuggets fan as me. Um, I haven't cried yet. Uh, yet, yeah, I say. Yeah, was, um, yeah. Because job's not done, man. I, it's we, we still have a business trip to take care of. Um, my life in the next week and a half will revolve around that NBA final schedule. I've let Shelby know, so my loved ones know um, what's going to happen. Um, it's gonna. I'm going to be... I've never, I've never experienced this as a Nuggets fan. We've never been in this territory, so I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm excited. I do think we're the best team remaining. That's all I'm going to say right now. That's all I'm going to say. I, th- I think no matter what, Nuggets are, are winning it. Like I knock I on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the Celtics or the Heat have it in them to beat the Nuggets. Um, your Celtics, would you say that's your second favorite team easily? Easily. And then the Knicks third. Um, Celtics went down 3-0 at the recording of this podcast. They've currently won two games in a row. Um, how confident are you that the comeback is on? They're going to be the first team in NBA history to come back from a 3-0 deficit. Mm. So we're going to release this episode tomorrow, which is... Game six. So people can watch this episode first and then watch game six. Whoever wins that game is winning it all, which isn't that bold of a take because if the Heat win, then obviously it's over. <laughs> but if the Heat lose in Miami, you know Boston's coming out game seven. Their fans are going to be just absolutely electric. It's gonna be it's gonna be intense. Do I think they're gonna do it? I don't want to say anything yet. Um, no, you, you must. You must. I want. must? Yeah. This is a podcast here. We have we have mm. taken on a podcast. I don't think they're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do it. Um, I hope they do. I really, really, really hope they do. Celtics have always been my number two team. Got a good buddy on the squad. Shout out, Derek. Don't want to count them out, but we'll see what happens. It, I will say the momentum has shifted. Well, yeah, big time. Two in a row. It's scary now. It's scary for the Heat. Very scary. 
these past like this past week I've been running before work and like I would listen to the Bill Simmons podcast as I'm running and just listen to him rag on the Celtics for the first three games and I haven't watched the one that he recorded after game five last night um so I'm gonna watch that too I don't know man playoff basketball finals basketball it's like it's is it not the best television ever well speaking of the best television ever i'm really glad you brought that up don't talk survivor no 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 i'm not talking survivor (laughs) i mean you you brought it up so now i kind of have to um again survivor greatest um greatest reality tv show competition show of all time um that's that's not what i was going to talk about though um succession Mm. we've never talked about succession yeah we need to because i mean it's it's the greatest show on television right now and the if this is coming out saturday the the season finale is tomorrow um have you ever watched an episode of succession i have not bill simmons raves about it yeah, dude. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing. You're you're making great mistakes in your life. Like it's it's just the greatest show on TV right now. I'm sad it's ending, um, but yeah, season finale tomorrow. Um, it, it's it's the best written, maybe best shot. It's shot on film, which is kind of cool. It just looks great. Um, I, I I can't recommend it enough. I wish we could talk about it, but you're you're not in the know, so. Well, how many seasons are there as of right now? I, I believe this is the fourth. Okay. So it's a, it's a project for me at this point. No way. No way. <laughs> it's, it's not, not like, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not asking you to watch like the Sopranos. Like there's nine seasons of that. You can do four, four seasons. I think maybe 10 to 12 episodes each season. You're going to fly through it. I promise. I'll give it a shot. It's Apple TV, right? No, it's it's Max. HBO oh, it's Max. Max. Yeah. Just Max. Just Max. I really can't call it Max. Why did they change? Why did they take HBO out of it? Because they got bought by uh, they got bought by Discovery Plus or something. Like they merged their two things, but then they got rid of the HBO part, which is the most important part. It's HBO. Yeah. Did you also notice that they um, took out any, like, writer credentials? I saw like, that on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. How do we feel about that? Um, it's a little or do strange. you feel about that? I, I, yeah, I, I guess I don't have too many opinions about that. I did see – it does bother me because a lot of times I do like to go look at, like, who, who directed this, who wrote this. And now it's just a giant glob of names, which doesn't really help me out. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't don't know. know. Do you think it's because of the emergence of AI? Mm. You've heard of the the Writers Guild strike and all that that's going on? Yes. You think that plays a big part in it? One day it will, under the creators tab, it will just say computer. (laughs) I hope not, but... Um, you ever seen Brink before? The movie Brink? No. Decom? I was no. you you've no idea what I'm talking about? Brink? 
Brink, the rollerblading movie, Disney Channel original movie? No. <laughs> I was talking about this with some coworkers the other day. They didn't know what it is either. I feel like a dinosaur, but there's a phrase in the in the movie where he's like, I just have to skate better. Skate better. And it's like, that's what the writers need to do. Just write better. You know, I feel like now like AI can AI can AI mirror human emotion and add that through writing. Do you think it has the capability to do that? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Because I don't think it's going away, but I think people are always going to want stories that touch on human experiences, the human emotion. Well, like that. here's here's what I think the greater problem is, is that probably 80% of the movies made today could be written by a computer because there a computer could easily, easily read all the Marvel scripts and write a Marvel movie. I think it would have no problem with that. And you would hardly be able to tell because there there's nothing really all that new about them. Now, could... A computer write Bo is Afraid? I think not. Um, because computers don't do LSD. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. No lies detected. It's, it's supply and demand too. Because that's what, sadly, people want. The, the popcorn movies that are just really cool effects and yeah. things like that. They don't want the crazy Bo is Afraid type stories and. That's why they those kind of get swept under the radar. That's why I really like A24, because they do always produce something that's original. No matter what it is, if I like it or not, it's going to be original. And so Marvel, I like Marvel too. There's a place for it, but just unoriginal. Um, they look awesome, but still, I don't know. I feel like the human emotion will prevail always. It might not yeah. be the most popular, but it's it's going to always be around. I feel like we're, we're definitely in, I don't know, 10, 15 years, we're definitely going to have a a bigger divide than we do now of, like, I think that movies are probably going to start getting shorter and shorter just with our attention spans. And they're also probably going to start getting more, I don't know, I guess I p- packaged this the more- same over and over again. And I I mean, that's been happening for a while, but I just think it's not going to go away. And I also think the divide will get bigger on the movies like you're talking about, like that are emotional and are original. I don't think those are going away either. They they just kind of are harder to find. I think it'll, there'll be more like more outlandish stories too. Cause like you can yeah. type in anything into an AI generator and it's going to like, make your movie for you visually and script wise. And you can just type in anything and people aren't going to like necessarily like a studio, like who knows what the studios will look like in 15, 20 years. Like they might not be able to do anything about it. So we might just see a bunch of crazy stories, which would be cool. um, Cause it's like unfiltered, but there's also some danger to that. It'll be interesting. I think it changes our job too, because if like we can get computers to write like, I don't know, 90% of what's written already today. Like I'm, I'm guessing a computer can do a pretty good job writing a, a news article. Um, like, well, there's no need for us to teach that anymore. If 
um, if, if that can be done. I, just, I think a lot of jobs are going to be taken away by AI. Do you think teaching is one of those jobs? I think teaching will be the last job to be taken away. Good Man, I, I would I would hope so, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. Somebody's definitely going to try and do it. I think it can be a great tool when it's used as a supplement. Nothing beats the teacher in the room teaching. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people will always need to realize that. Um, you can get so many new tech initiatives, but no matter what, at the end of the day, it's the teacher that's doing the work. Um, I will say, though, it would be pretty sweet to issue students along with their Chromebooks like a VR headset. We were yes. talking about this the other day off pod. Yes. Like, how cool would that be? Just like, hey, let's uh, let's go visit 1920s, um, a speakeasy from the 1920s to start out this Gatsby unit. Like, that would be pretty sweet. So we'll see what happens. That would be sweet. It'd be sweet too to teach from like my my couch in in the metaverse where everybody else is just hanging out at their house too. Well, I don't like that. Well, I I think when needed, like I, I don't know, I don't think uh, I don't think we need to be in a classroom all the time. That's that's pushing uh, the whale territory there. Oh, yeah, I guess we could all become like that if that were the case. A little Wally mixed in there. Exactly. I was going to mention Wally. That's where we're headed. Honestly, though. Yeah. It's up to us yeah. to stay active, not get too tied into it. Speaking of activity, what's our gym life like now? TTF wants to know what's our progress. Um, You know, pretty ripped, pretty jacked at this point. <laughs> Um, yeah, progress always being made. I'll, I'll say the month of May is pretty rough, pretty busy, not making it as much as I should be. Um, the summer bod is, you know, it's probably a spring bod right now. Probably hasn't made it quite to summer, but, uh, eh, that, that, that's okay. That's okay. Hey, I, I'm not, I'm not going to impress anybody. Let's, I'll, I'll just be <laughs> honest here. Do you have any goals? Um, no, no goals. Okay. No goals in life. I'd like <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> nope. no, I'd I'm like to lose. not breathe, breathe so heavy all the time. Maybe. <laughs> okay. I thought you were just going to say not breathe. And I was like, we might need to stop this pod really quick. <laughs> yeah, no, we're good. We're good on that front. Okay, okay. Just checking. Um, not breathe so heavy after um, walking into your classroom. No, no, no. See, I'm not I'm not there. It's just like, you know, sometimes it's like basketball practice. Like I, I love coaching basketball because I get to play a little bit too. And it, sometimes it's just like, oh, I just ran up the court twice. Like that. Uh, this didn't used to happen to me. I, I should be able to handle this a little bit better. Well, let's let's get you on some trails this summer. Let's let's do some trail running. Well, I was just gonna say, why we should just hoop all summer. We, we well, should. I'm down. Let's let's do it. Let's hit up the parks. Let's hit up the streets. Um, I what's got a hoop in my driveway, fam? Yeah, let's go. 
Let's get the neighborhood kids rounded up. We'll, <laughs> we'll draft like we did back in middle school. Line everybody up. Um, sorry if you're the last pick, but everybody's got to be at some point. Builds character. Yeah, yeah. That'd be sweet. No, I'm down. I'm down. I'm really down. I need to. Yeah. I, had, I can't remember the last time I touched a basketball. Actually, at the assembly where I airballed. Yeah, see. No, we can't have that. It was a girl's yeah. ball, though. In my defense, it was a girl's basketball. That's even. And gross. the lights were off. No, because I overshot it. I'm too strong for it. Oh. Yeah. See, airball, you think it was. Yeah. And the lights were off. My depth perception was just not on point. Quite a few excuses here. Legitimate, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this, though. I'm going to say this. I'm going to, and I want you to hold me accountable. I'm going to lose. Okay. My goal is 12 to 15 pounds this summer. So are you going to give us a number right now? I'm not going to give you the number right <laughs> now. <laughs> I'll be honest, though, in my progress, if you ask. Okay. All right. We'll we'll keep the audience of none updated. Okay. Yeah. Just hold me accountable, TTF Nation, X-Ray. We'll see what happens before... On the first work day, that's my timeline. And I feel like All 12 right. to 15 is somewhat reasonable. We'll see. I think I just need to stop eating so dang much. Dude, that's the that's the problem. And I'm I'm just never going to quite fix that because I don't <laughs> want to. Because I, I love to eat. and it's One of my favorite yeah. things to do. For real. For real. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I won't be. That, that You know, that's my goal. My goal is to eat like I always eat. So change nothing. Yeah, I mean that's that's why you go to the gym is so that you can eat whatever you want. At least in okay. my perspective. So your your goal is twofold: uh, eat normally as you normally do, and in order mm-hmm. to do that, you have to go to the gym. Correct. Okay, I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's it's a balancing act. I do like that. Um, how about we? Uh, we talk no country for old men. Or do, you, do you have other things you'd like to discuss before we get into our, our movie today? I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I'm ready for this one. Okay. Here we go. No country for old men. Llewellyn Moss stumbles upon dead bodies, $2 million, and a horde of heroin in a Texas desert. But methodical killer Anton Shiger comes looking for it with local sheriff Ed Tom Bell hot on his trail. The roles of prey and predator blur as the violent pursuit of money and justice collide. Where are you reading these synopsises from? I I usually steal them off Letterboxd, so I came straight from Letterboxd. That one was a little, uh, it's kind of poetic at the end there. It was. was. Can you hit us with that last sentence there again, or that last line? Maybe Cormac McCarthy wrote it himself. The roles of prey and predator blur as the violent pursuit of money and justice collide. Sets up mm. our themes and, jeez, holy cow. Mm. Can I, can I, you can know I what? take that? Can I take that and go with something? Yeah, I was just going to say a computer didn't write that. Like, no. That, that was written by a human. Absolutely. And it's... It's correlating directly to what I was thinking as I was watching the movie. This is the ultimate cat versus mouse movie chase, um, like cat versus mouse chase, 
but who's the cat and who's the mouse? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe that was more profound in my head than actually when I said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your line of what line of thinking there? Connected to the the movie, because like cat and mouse, like usually there's a there's a villain in the story, and Anton is obviously the villain, but at the same time, it's Llewellyn is not the most stand up guy. He's likable, but still, the things that he does is, you know, not for the common man. And when it really comes down to who's the main character in the movie, like who the story is written for, you could say, I would say it's for um, um, Tommy Lee Jones's character, Tom Bell, I think is his name. Because um, that's ultimately who I feel is impacted most throughout the story, through these two guys and their actions. And it does, like their actions do kind of blur the lines between prey versus predator as that synopsis said yeah i was when when you said that question who is the main character i would i would totally agree with you it's the sheriff his name is ed tom bell he's got mm. yeah very very texan name i believe um one of the i mean i love the way that the movie starts we said that the synopsis set up our like themes and everything and i felt that the his narration at the beginning does the same thing. Um, Cause he's, he's talking about like basically how in the old days they didn't even wear guns and they like it, it just used to be different. And then I put, I put his entire narration in my notes because it was just so good. And one part it said, um, it's, it's not that I'm afraid of it. He says he's like not afraid of the crime. He just says, I always knew you had to die to be what you had to be willing to die to even do this job, but I don't want to push my chips forward and go out and meet something I don't understand. Mm. Um, a man would have to put his soul at hazard. He'd have to say, okay, I'll be a part of this world. So it, it perfectly sets up like what we're about to see too, because what you're about to see is something that Anton Chigurh is something that you cannot comprehend. You cannot understand him. He seemingly does things with like no motivation at all or like decision making. So I love the narration and I loved like thinking about it. It perfectly wraps itself up by the end of the movie because yeah, we're, you mentioned blurring lines. It's like, who even is this, this villain character? He's insane. I wrote down something in the opening narration too. He says, uh, you can't help but compare yourself to old timers. And yeah. it's like the whole story. He's, he's not wishing for a better life per se, but he's always thinking about like the better times. He talks about his dad a lot. There's that scene at the end, the last little dream that he talks about. Um, but somebody tells him like, people in the past have gone through these same things. There's that conversation with the old guy towards the end. It's like the second to last scene. Um, but like there's just been crime and unjust violence forever. But this, this police officer, Ed Tom Bell, he comes to the realization that it's always kind of been grim and horrific 
at the end of the story. And that's why I really like the end sequence too, with the dream piece. Cause it's like, he talks about how, like at the end of the day, like he'll, he'll see his dad again in some other place, potentially where there's maybe a little bit more peace or like safety per se. Um, have you read this book? I have. I was literally just looking over. I think I, I need to go grab it off my bookshelf because um, you were talking about the ending and I, I haven't picked the book up in a long time, but I remember something about the ending that I need to like look at. So I'm going to do that here in a second. But yes, I've read the book. Okay. You should. Um, I, I want to read it like with modern lit because so much of what this story like thematic wise it's connected to a lot of the themes relating to modern lit have you ever read a good man is hard to find i've not you'll have to it's read been it on this my summer. List for a long time though talk to me th- this will be good because this will solve two things talk to me about what are, what modern lit is as a class like what what is it so because modern I, lit i gotta teach it here pretty soon so <laughs> probably not it's basically like literature that encompasses a uh, life from roughly 1919 to 1950 ish. This story take of no country for old men takes place in the eighties. So it's kind of out of that time span, but it still fits thematically. Um, the idea with modern lit is this idea that the world was changing at this time. There were three huge moments in this time span, World War One, um, the Great Depression, and World War Two, and with that, there was like this bleak sense of pessimism lurching into the world, and people were um, reminiscing on the olden days and like old traditions. Um, people unable to let go of some old traditions um, because modernism was coming in, um, and so much of a good man is hard to find is about that as well. There's a grandma character who is with this family, her family, her son, his wife, and their two kids. And the grandma is very much so like high and mighty feeling like her generation was the best generation and um, the good times have gone. And literally a good man is hard to find. They, she says that with somebody else in the story. Um, that they meet along the way, but there's a misfit in the story. A good man is hard to find and they encounter the misfit at the end of the story. Like the family gets into an accident. I'm spoiling it. So whatever, it's a short story. Um, they get into an accident towards the end of the story and the misfit finds them and the misfit and his buddies start killing off the family members one by one, um, leaving the grandma last And then there's this big, long conversation between the grandma and the misfit. And it would almost be like the cop, Ed Tom Bell, talking with Anton Chigurh, if that were to happen in this story, like having a big, long conversation. Because the last thing that the misfit says to his buddy after he kills the grandma, he says... um, she would have been a good person if there had been somebody to shoot her 10 times every day in her life. And then mm-hmm. he says, um, like his buddy starts laughing and he says something along the lines of like, Oh, this was great fun. And then he goes, shut up. It's no real pleasure in life. And so that kind of goes back to what you were saying too, with Anton, like he's just, 
killing people for the sake of killing people. Um, he has no real backstory or agenda to not that he can justify what he's doing, but there's no real like direct motive other than the $2 million that he's trying to get. But even then he's killing random people um, to steal their truck full of chickens. And like, he's just killing people for the sake of killing people. And he says something along the lines with the coin toss with um, the um, Llewellyn's wife. He says, like, me and the coin toss ended up here the same, or me and the coin ended up here the same way. Which kind of correlates to the, it's no real pleasure in life. Like, no matter what I do, I'm still just going to be this blob of existence. And what I do at the end of the day doesn't really matter because the world's going to be what the world is going to be. Yeah. And I think that's why I feel like he's complex at the same point, though, because he's not like a... He doesn't kill everybody he sees. That's why I think that the gas station scene with the coin, like the first time is so interesting because like you would think he is this ruthless, terrible person that he's just going to kill this gas station guy. But then he has this whole like philosophical conversation with him about, I, I, I don't even know what it's about. It's kind of like about living in the moment and, it's about fate and destiny and luck. And it's, it's just so strange. It's one of the strangest scenes in, in the entire movie for sure. But it's, it also reveals so much about him as a character because you can't understand him. Like there, it would make more sense for him to kill the guy than for him to do whatever he did with him in the coin. Yeah, it was, it's, I watched this movie in sequences. Um, like in like four sittings that was one that was he talks about like the gas station clerk had basically lived in this town forever and like he took on the gas station from his in-laws like he took the business from them yeah and so you said it was i i in that i did feel like it was kind of just like a matter of luck like that he picked the right coin um coin side or whatever you want to call it I don't, I think the implication is that he obviously lives, but then the wife doesn't live. Cause we see that at the end, like he just walks out of the house. We don't see it actually happen, but um, she repeatedly says, I'm not going to call it. So like, she's not going to press her luck per se. And her inability to press her luck is what causes her to die. Whereas the gas station clerk, he does take that 50-50 chance. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything more deep than that. Well, and then right before he leaves the gas station, like the the clerk's about to put the coin just in his pocket and Sugar's like, don't do that. Like, don't do that with the coin because he says it will become just a coin. Like mm-hmm. he says, you're going to, like, it's going to lose its significance. But then right after he says that he just says which it is so he's like it is just a coin like at the end of the day it is just a coin so i i I feel like there's a million things we could take from that um that like i don't know we put significance on all these things when really they're they're nothing at all but at the same time he's he's i don't know he's doubling back on himself by saying don't 
you need to keep that. You need to make sure you know which one it is, but also it is just a coin at the end of the day. Could be his little, not perverted, but, you know, in like sick way of trying to have a little fun with it too. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like he does, he knows what he does isn't going to matter. And so he's going to toy with people. Who's calling you? My brother. He probably just, wants to, probably just wants to talk about No Country for Old Men. <laughs> he, he, he could sense it from from miles away. We need to get him on here. Yeah, yeah, we do. That that may happen. Um, well, we we've talked about the sheriff. We've talked about Shigur. Let's talk about Llewellyn a little bit because I think he's an interesting character as well. Um, I I really liked the way that he. There's just some lines that he has that I just loved. They've they've seemed like like this is a a neo western movie, I guess we could call it. Um, mm-hmm. And there were some lines in there that I was like, "Oh, this is totally a western movie." Um, I I wrote some some of them down. The one is when his wife he she says like, "Well, what do you suppose I I tell my mom? Like, what am I supposed to tell her?" And he just says, "Why don't you try standing in the door and saying." I'm home. Like, <laughs> like that's just a, a great line of really not answering the question at all. But also at the same time, like, well, you're, you're going to our house. You just tell her that you're there. Um, the other one was when he's trying to buy a, the tent and he just wants the poles. And mm-hmm. the guy's like, well, what kind of tent do you want? And he just says the one with the most poles. Like I, <laughs> I just love those lines of he's, he's very matter of fact, but it's also funny at the same time. Like he's, he's being sarcastic, but at the same time, he's just like, it is the most simple answer that he can give these people. It's like, he's like the salt of the earth type of character, just very simple minded. Um, I think he has good intentions, but he just gets into the wrong spot. We talk about luck, pressing your luck. The gas station clerk man was lucky. Um, Llewellyn's wife doesn't want to even press her luck. And Llewellyn is arguably the most unlucky character in the story because though he acquires the $2 million at the beginning, he has no idea the byproducts, the consequences that come with it, which, I mean, it's hard to fault him for it, but at the end of the day, still, it is an unlucky decision that he makes. And though it might've appeared lucky for him in the moment, it leads to his demise. Uh, I like, I have another band name for us. I think we've talked about band names in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, like what would our band name be? I think our band name should be um, Ultima Hombres. <laughs> when he's talking the to the, when he's talking to the guys who were, uh, yeah, the last man, he's talking to the guys at the beginning who were Spanish speaking. And he just, he doesn't know how to reach them. And he's like, Ultima Hombre. That's a sick band name. That is a sick band name, especially <laughs> for a couple of white dudes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're talking about the money. And I like you talked about reading this in Modern Lit. I, I think another reason that this would work is it's just a very American story. Like the, the only place that this could be set is in America and probably in like the West where where it does take place just because it is 
like it's about money. Like America is, I, I feel like the country that's most obsessed with money probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that, yeah, it's like this poor guy who is, yeah, taking money. And then also at the same time, it's like about violence, which is, I mean, America's past. And it's also about justice. Like it's about, it's about all three of those things trying to, I don't know, push and pull on each other. And the the way that we get to see it play out is, man, I, I love the movie. So I thought it was awesome. Mm. Even at the end, when um, Anton gets into the car accident, he gives the kid a hundred bucks to shut up and give him his shirt. Yeah. The kid complies. It's like, it's money talks and he's going to, sacrifice justice for the bloody $100 bill, even at such a young age. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, that's very true. It's just, that's a little moment of it, but the whole story is just like partially about that, but that impacts the younger generation too. Um, You mentioned the car wreck. I, that's one thing that when I read the book, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that happens in the book because I remember feeling almost like let down by that. Like, this guy is so crazy and he does all this stuff and then he doesn't even get caught by the cops. He just gets hit by a car and like this totally random thing. And then I'm pretty sure in the book, it happens the same way where he just gets up and he starts walking and then we never hear from him again. Um, and I remember being disappointed by that, but I now it like kind of all makes sense. I think it goes back to the coin. Like, he says in the gas station scene that this coin has been traveling 22 years and it has ended up right here, like in this moment. Um, so, so it's almost like he believes like, like that car that was hitting him has been traveling for thousands of years in it. Like it was meant to hit him in that moment. And that that's it. We're done now. In that theory, then should he have would the right thing to be for him would to just roll over and die see that's where i don't know because i feel like it's i feel like sugar very much believes in fate but at the same time he is uh like he he's killing people he is ending people's lives he is controlling people's fates so i feel like he he feels he controls what he can control i don't know that's why i think he's an interesting character he almost needs a spinoff. I wrote that down. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Like a miniseries. Do we, need, do we need what happens after the accident or before it? I think before. It'd almost be cool to do a, like a miniseries, like you said, where you do like two seasons before and then two seasons after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that'd be sweet. That would be cool. That would be awesome. Don't let AI take our ideas. AI, don't take our ideas. Yeah. We're going to write it. Yeah. Yeah, we I, are. I was disappointed in the the death of Llewellyn. It took me Why it took that? me it took me a few moments to realize that that was him laying yeah. there in that pool of blood. Uh, the only reason I picked up on it was because of the shirt. Right, there's just that one shot of him, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's the shirt. He wears just the sickest shirts, first of all. Um, <laughs> and it's just... I wish the, I could pull off his, his look. Yeah, his, his steez is unmatched. Uh, 
but he's laying there in the pool of blood and like, we don't even see it. I, I was kind of disappointed in that because it was so anticlimactic. I was like, okay, all that for this. Well, now that I think about it, do we see anyone's death in this ever? Do we see anybody get shot? Like literally get shot or stabbed or, oh no, we definitely do. We definitely do. When, when he breaks into the hotel room, we see them get shot. And but, um, Woody Harrelson's character. But even that we don't see. Yeah, the That's camera's what, behind the couch. Yeah, and I, I love that shot. I think it's so interesting. It's We stay on Sugar the entire time. Like yeah. it's, it's like the Woody Harrelson doesn't even matter. Like mm-hmm. we, we just see, we see the gun go off and then, yeah, he's gone. But this, the same thing happens. um, Same thing happens with the guy that he kills on like the side of the road. Same thing happens with Llewellyn's. Yeah. Llewellyn's wife. Like we just assume that, um, that she's dead. And I love the way that they, we are led to assume like he walks out of the house and then he just looks at the bottom of his shoes. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's just amazing piece of, just editing and sequencing to get us to think that. And the other one was, uh, the, it's the, kind of the, the accountant guy. Oh, who's the accountant guy? The guy at the top of the, the business building. He walks oh. in and he shoots him right in the neck. I was thinking, um, when Llewellyn's at that hotel, it might be in Mexico. I can't remember though. He's at that hotel and the way that they set it up is, um, it's amazing. He walks into the hotel. This is not at the motel where he like hides the suitcase. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's later on. He walks in, he's like bloody and dying and he gives the guy like a hundred bucks, I think. And they show a shot of the cat, Mm -hmm. uh, drinking milk, like at his feet. And then we have the whole scene of sugar and him like kind of, kind of chasing each other and then he walks back into the hotel and we get another shot of the cat but like the bowl is all over the place and um the cat's just like licking milk off the ground and like it's just such a great way of saying sugar's been here he's caused chaos he's killed this guy we we didn't even need to show it for for you to like feel it i just thought that there were many moments like that it's i love it that was the perfect building to place that hotel like that staircase like the way it's set up it just builds so much suspense like he jumps out of the window and then there's that gigantic staircase right in the middle it's like yeah they're so close to each other yet it feels so intense and like they're in totally different worlds but they're in the same building it was just a great great setting yeah yeah I was going to mention something else about um, just some of the the film aspects of it. I loved, I loved the way this was filmed. Um, the The narration at the beginning with all the establishing shots, it was like just like three seconds of like each landscape shot. Um, arguably, one of my favorite shots is at the beginning too when um, uh, Anton kills the police officer with the handcuffs. He chokes him. And it's just the high angle shot and it's the, it's the cop's boots and it has like all the scratches from the chair on the ground and he's just right in the middle of it. That looks so cool. Oh, mine was actually the one, I think it's after that because it's the over, it's another overhead shot and it's just of the sink. Uh, And it's him like it's handcuffs and him washing his hands off of Mm -hmm. blood. 
It's, it's just such a cool shot. And even the, the lead in to that, it's like, I mean, this is the first five minutes of the movie, right? Yeah. Or did, does this happen after Llewellyn finds the truck and all that? No, this is before. Yeah. So we don't know who Shigur is at all. The fact that it's the cop, like in the foreground on the phone, Shigur's not even in focus in the background at all until he like comes and puts the handcuffs around him and starts killing him. Like, I just thought that that was a, a great way to film it as well. I'm drinking my dragon fruit smoothie. It's delicious. I'm getting towards the bottom here. Uh, another thing about this too, all like, like it's, I feel like every line matters. Like there's no wasted dialogue. Like there's scenes where it's just showing them on the hunt and there's no words and it yes. like couldn't have been filmed or produced better because like they're not wasting any words. And I feel like that's kind of like what Western people do. Like they don't talk for the sake of talking. Like they're going to speak for a purpose and be like as matter of fact as possible. And that's kind of what they're doing in this dialogue. There's not a lot of it, but there's so many moments where it doesn't play a part. Like the lack of dialogue only adds to the intensity. And I thought they filmed that really, really well. And I think if you like that or anybody listening likes that, go read a Cormac McCarthy book. Cause like, that's how all of his dialogue is. Um, he's kind of known for like, he doesn't use quotation marks. Um, mm -hmm. Like his dialogue is just, it'll be like a word and then he'll skip a line like you would regularly, but there's, there are no quotation marks. So he almost has to keep his dialogue short for you to know who's talking. Um, but no, I totally agree with you. And I like that too. There's that, that first scene we see Llewellyn, he's just, he's hunting and he's, he doesn't say anything to, there's nobody to say anything to, but I, I feel like other movies would have had him, I don't know, talking on a phone or he would have, there would have been a dog there that he's talking to. It's like, no, he, he's by himself. He's got nobody to talk to. And that lets us look at like Western movies. I feel like a big part of them is you're looking at the scenery. You're looking at what mm -hmm. you're looking at their environment. And that gives us a chance to, to do that. One of my favorite shots is after he kills, he shoots that antelope mm -hmm. and then we get this giant wide angle of him, like walking to it across the screen and it, I, we've said before that if you put any like movie from the 70s in california like we're in i would like to add to that list any movie in the west and you just give me a giant shot where the subject looks super small give me a whole movie full <laughs> of those i don't even need dialogue like it's just i love that i like it i like it yeah Llewellyn's not hunting, doing TikTok dances, um, scrolling yeah. through TikTok, <laughs> talking to his yeah. girlfriend on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, one last comparison I got to make because my probably my favorite movie of all time, There Will Be Blood, came out the the same year as this. And this one, I used best to get the two mixed up a lot. It won't. Well, it makes sense because even there will be blood starts almost the exact same way. Like there will be blood starts with just shots of like the mountains and like the desert, um, and then it it starts with uh, we get to like our main character and he's working by himself. So it's it's crazy how how close they are 
together. But I, I don't think they're. I don't know. I don't know if I'd call them similar. They are. They both take place in the West, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think um, there will be blood has as much action as No Country for Old Men. I don't know. Do you think No Country for Old Men is like of epic quality as There Will Be Blood is? Um, what do you mean? Because like epic. I think like in terms of like just full story, like we're getting the full story of um, I can't remember Daniel Day Lewis's character. Yeah, Daniel Plainview. We're getting the whole story uh, from beginning to end, like the total um, trajectory of success and then the demise, the downfall that comes with it. Like it's an epic, like um, Once Upon a Time in America was. Like we're getting the full scope. We don't, I don't think we get the full scope with No Country for Old Men. I don't think we need it. Um, Yeah. But you were saying, oh, go ahead. Well, just because there will be blood. I think Daniel Day-Lewis is probably in 99% of the shots. Like Mm -hmm. it is, it is completely and totally his story. Like there's hardly any, there's hardly any secondary characters even. It's, it's just his. So, and I think maybe I like that about No Country for Old Men that we do get the three different stories intersecting with each other. Did you say that this No Country for Old Men won Best Picture over There Will Be Blood? Yeah. Mm, I would have gone the other way. Yeah. And that's not a knock yeah. on this movie. No. Yeah. I mean, 2007, I, I don't know what else was released off the top of my head, but two great movies right there. Like, that's pretty stinking great. Yeah. Is there anything you didn't like about this movie? Um, No. No, I don't think there is really. Like it, it never, it never felt slow to me. Like I, I think maybe some people could say it's boring, but I, I don't know. I thought it was perfectly, perfectly paced, and they, there's plenty of plot points along the way that make it great. So no, I, I got nothing bad to say about it. Was there anything you wanted to point out? Any qualms? Mm-hmm. The only real qualm that I can come up with is the the guy who plays Wendell. Who's Wendell? Um, the cop's like secondhand man. Oh yeah, I don't think he was fit for the for the role. You know, I'd agree with you there. I and I I think I thought that same thing. Yeah, yeah he does not fit. You're right. He's too um, tall. Too tall. Just too too clean looking too. Yeah, he needs a um, scar on his face or something. Yeah, Garrett Dillahunt, not your role, not your role. But maybe that even shows. I don't know how like things are changing, and because I that we talked about that at the beginning that like things are new and different. Like that he's he's nowhere near Tommy Lee Jones in any way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's I. That's really the only thing I love this movie. I we didn't even talk about the props. The props are sick. The the air gun, the silencer on the yeah. gun, the the tent yeah. poles, how those are used, like just just a very fun yet serious movie to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um a guy I teach with, well I guess used to teach with, he stayed in the he stayed in the either the motel or the hotel 
No, it's the hotel where Woody Harrelson gets shot. Mm. He said he stayed there one time. And I'm, nah, that just sounded cool. I'd, I'd kind of like to check it out, but it kind of seems like it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that would that would be the only cool thing about being there. Yeah, <laughs> Everything else would be terrible. <laughs> It'd probably be 110 degrees there, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, hit us with a score. A strong, strong 91. Okay. I needed one of those. Strong 91. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything it could have done to get a higher score. Yeah. They, that's a great score. Um, I gave it a 98. Oh, a yeah. Kiru level. A Kiru yeah, level. I mean, I, I, there will be blood. I mean, it's a hundred out of a hundred for me. It's like everything that I love about movies. Um, I love Westerns. The fact that this is a, a, a Western that looks as beautiful as it does and has three characters that are, um, I don't know whose storylines I'm involved with as much as I am. Uh, it's it's a 98. I love the way it's made. I love the dialogue. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, well, that's awesome. High praise. High praise. Critics give it a 93. Audience, nice. 86. 86 is almost insultingly low, I feel. Yeah, we got to get that okay. up in the news. Um, next week... We're going to watch a Wes Anderson movie. Okay. Um, Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. Uh, I watched this once, but it was way, way back in the day. I don't remember anything about it. It's streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, cool. TTF Nation. Check it out. You've seen this before? I have seen this before, but just like last week, it's not on the spreadsheet. So that there we go. I love when that happens. Sweet. Alrighty, that's what we're going to watch next time. X-ray. This is getting us prepared for uh, Asteroid City. That's right, that's right. That's what. That's kind of my intention, too. Alright, um, I like it. We got some other ones coming out this summer, too, that we're definitely going to have to talk about. Um, but until that next time, until that happens, they're just going to have to stay tuned. You got anything yep. else for the people? I, I've One last thing. If you like No Country for Old Men, go watch Sicario. They're I, they're very they're very similar and good movie. Yeah, they're like I kind of want to go watch Sicario right now. Yeah, I'm gonna I might spend a week just watching westerns now. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. Young Guns, maybe uh, some Clint Eastwood ones. John Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Alrighty. Well, until next time, do your homework. Moonrise Kingdom, Amazon Prime. Enjoy your summer, mm-hmm. first of many claims for that, and peace out. Peace out. Peace out.